letters in my name, and I pick things up, what am I? Uh, over half the class wrote down mother. And so, uh, you know, this is sort of interesting. Mothers, uh, they, that's what they're like magnets. Now, there's another guy who's talking to his daughter, who's four years old, really struggling with the whole idea of the concept of marriage. And so the dad thought, well, if I give her a visual, maybe she'll understand a little bit better. So he pulled out the wedding album, and he was showing her the pictures. They're going through the pictures. And then he saw that one picture, you know, where the, uh, the, the mom or the husband and the wife were standing next to each other, the holding hands, and the little girl looked up at her dad, and she said, so this is when mom came to work for us. And so that's, you know, that's a lot of time that we think about with mothers. But uh, there was a study that was actually done that said that uh, when mothers have children, every, or throughout the lifetime, by the time the child is 18, the mother will spend an extra 18,000 hours of child-related work. And so it was figured out that if you don't have children, so you might want to consider this, if you don't have children, that you get an extra three months of leisure time every year. Well, today we are celebrating Mother's Day. And I thought that probably, since we're talking about moms, probably the best thing that we can do, especially since we're in the church, is simply take a look into the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about mothers. And, and really, more importantly, what, what the role of a mother is, how a mother loves her children. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's a, not a typical Mother's Day passage of Scripture. But in the Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul writing this letter to a church he helped start, in, which is now in modern-day Greece. And as he wrote to them, he let them know, he said, I want you to know that I love you. And he shared that with them because, you know, it was, I'm sure sometimes the people wondered if Paul loved them because Paul was tough. Uh, he was very, he, he did not mess around when it came to matters of faith, but he, but he let them know. He said, listen, I, I just want you to know that I love you, and I love you like a mother loves her children. And so that's why we're looking at this text today. And as I, as I thought about this text, and I, and I began to think about children and all those different things, um, I, I, there are some people that I know or that I've seen in life that it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what they do, it just seems like everything just works out well for them. It seems like they always make the right decisions, you know, they always show up at the right places. You know, and I look at people like that and I think, man, that guy is so lucky. He's like a cat, you know, it always lands on his feet. How does that happen? But as, as time goes by, I, I'm starting to realize it's not really that most of those people are lucky. It's that they grew up in homes where they had a mom and they had a dad who taught them the difference between right and wrong, who spent time with their children, who, you know, who taught their children, who demonstrated love towards their children. And, and that's what was happening to the church that was in this town called Thessalonica. They were a, a group of Christians who were greatly loved by their spiritual leader, who happened to be Paul. And he said, I love you like a mother loves her children. Well, how does a mom love her children? And I think as we look at our text today, we're going to see a few indicators that demonstrate how a mother loves her children. And the very first indicator of love is this, according to our text today. First of all, it begins with gentleness. You see how a mother loves her children when you see the gentle spirit that she has towards her kid. And, and look with me in verse 7. It says, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead, Paul wrote, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. 
Now there's a, an old saying I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and it says this, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Have y'all heard that statement before? Okay, I, I, at first service, nobody had heard that before, so y'all are obviously a little more well-educated. So yeah, okay. So, so yeah, I, now I'm really good at sharing with people how much I know. If I know about something, I'm going to let you know. Now where I struggle is like on the care part. And then that was sort of the, you know, that is the point that Paul was making here. Now Paul was a, what we would call them at this point, a big time Christian leader. People knew who Paul was. He had an incredible testimony. He had the stories. He had the scars to show that he was important. I mean, Paul was a guy who'd been to prison numerous times. He'd been beaten because of his faith. He said, there's not going to be anything, anything that's going to interfere with me sharing the good news of Jesus. And so with those kind of credentials, Paul could have gone anywhere he wanted to and said, okay, guys, y'all need to listen to me because I'm important. You need to listen to me because I've been through the battles. I know what I'm talking about, so pay attention now. Paul didn't do that. What we see in our text, instead of going to people and lording his power over people, what Paul did is he ministered in a spirit of gentleness. He said, we could have done certain things. He said, but we have been gentle among you. And when I read that, I, 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 I get convicted about this. Did you know it is to be a common trait among Christians to be gentle? Do you know that? If you are a follower of Jesus, that should be one of the traits in your life is gentleness. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it says and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. But I believe a big, big mistake many leaders make is that when they lead, they try to lead in, in power, in force, by demanding. You know, you're going to follow me because I'm telling you to follow me. Now, what I've learned is that is not, that's really not the best way to lead. You know, if you ever have anybody who, uh, who is leading you and they lead you by force, or they tell you, this is what you are going to do because I said it, I don't know how your response is when people try to lead you like that. I can tell you how Emily's response is. I can tell you how my response is. My response is I just naturally, I just sort of, I just, it's my tendency to, to, to kind of blow up against that. You know, to resent that kind of leadership. And then eventually what happens is that can turn into a rebellious spirit. Now, Paul knew this. And so Paul, instead of trying to lord it over people, he, want, he said, listen, you can curb rebellion in your home if you have or if you lead by an example of gentleness. Now, when we talk about gentleness, we're not talking about the kind of gentleness where you say, hey, kids, whatever you want, that's what you're getting. You know, we're not talking about the kind of gentleness where you just say, I'm, I'm going to roll over and I'm going to try to keep the peace regardless of what the cost is. That, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul said, I am going to nurture you like a mother nurtures her children. And that word nurture in our text is an interesting word. It means to warm. It was, it was the picture of a hen sitting on her nest on top of her eggs. 
toward the edge. You know, you, you know why a, a hen sits on top of the edge to warn them. It is to, it's, it's like an incubator. It's to help those in the embryo to develop so that she stays on it long enough that eventually what's going to happen with the egg is new life is going to come out of that egg. It's going to hatch. Now, if a, if a hen doesn't sit on top of the eggs, you know what's going to happen to those eggs? They're going to be in a frying pan, right? There's not, going, there's not going to be any hatching taking place. So that's what Paul's saying here. So moms, your job, the role of a mother is to nurture her children, to provide an environment that is warm where you can teach your child so that eventually your children will hatch. Because if you don't do that, then whenever, if you put them into a cold, harsh world, then they're going to have a difficult time surviving. So part of the role of the mother is to give her child a safe place where they can develop and gain strength. There's a story by a man named Leonard Ravenhill who was talking about a group of tourists who were in Europe, and they were going to a picturesque village. As they were walking through the village, there was one man that was not really all that impressed with the village. He saw a man that was sitting by a fence, and... And he walked over to the man in a sort of sarcastic voice. He looked around and said, well, were there any great people, great men or women born in this town? And the guy kind of picked up on the sarcasm. He looked at him and said, no, he said only babies. I like that story. Yep, great men and women are not born. They're not born. They were raised that way. They were brought up. They are taught to be great men and women. And so how, how does that happen? Well, part of the way that that happens is by loving in a spirit of gentleness. Now, unfortunately, that does not seem to be, to be the norm these days. The, the world has a warped view of what it means to be gentle. Being gentle today means do not offend. Being gentle today means don't, don't stir the pot. Just go along with what culture and society says. Now, I know that sometimes culture can say some good things. But, but culture, is one thing I'm like, culture is constantly changing. You know, today's culture tells us that there is no such thing as absolute truth. You know, truth is relative. It all depends upon how you feel. That could be your truth, not necessarily my truth. And if you say that there is an absolute truth, then people find that to be offensive. Therefore, what that is going to mean is that the Bible is going to be offensive to culture. Because the Bible claims to be true. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Proverbs 35 says, Every word of God is flawless. Now let me tell you something, I'm all for being kind and gentle, but a part of being kind and gentle means telling the truth. And being truthful is loving. Being truthful means telling people there is a right way and there is a wrong way. Being gentle means telling your children that there are consequences that come with your actions. Being gentle is teaching your children that life is not always fair. Therefore, you need to teach your children how to deal with adversity. And a great place to start teaching your children that's at home. Because it's in the home where you get to demonstrate gentleness to your children. And whenever your children fail, the stakes aren't as high when you're teaching 
teaching them, teaching those things in the home. And whenever they fail, then it's the opportunity for a mother to demonstrate gentleness and to love her child and say, you have failed here, but I'm going to help you. And so that, that is a picture of the kind of love that a mother has. And Paul said, it's the way that I love the church. If an indicator of love is gentleness. But another indicator of love that a mother has is this. She, she's going to be sharing. A person who shares. Now, look with me in verse number, let's see, verse 8. Paul wrote, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become dear to us. Now, Paul had been accused by other people outside of his circle. They said, ah, Paul's just trying to use the church so he can get more money. And yet, if you want to destroy somebody, especially somebody who's like in, in ministry, you say, all they're doing is they're just simply trying to build more money out of people for their own gain. But if you look at the facts of who Paul was, it, it was obvious Paul was not a guy that was interested in taking from the church. What we see is Paul had a desire to share with the church. And, and you see that in verse number 8. If you look at verse number 8, he mentions two different areas where he was going to share with these people. And you see his heart, verse 8, when he says, I am going to share my life with you. That's a big deal. You know, it's one thing to share good advice with somebody. It's one thing to share instruction with people. But you're going to make a greater impact when you're willing to do those things and share your life with that person. You know, I respond so much better to somebody who's not just barking orders at me, but I respond better to people who might be giving me instruction, but who walk alongside with me as they do it. Because then I'm thinking, well, this is the person who cares about me. It's a person that's interested in me. That's what moms do. Yeah, moms are so, they are so much better at walking alongside children than I would say most guys. I mean, guys, we, our day's coming in June. It's going to be, we're going to have a big day in June, okay? But today's Mother's Day. Okay, so here's it. Mothers do a good job walking alongside the children. And then they share their life with their children. Very beginning, right? You know, when a mother is carrying a child, she is literally sharing her life with that child so that child's going to be able to survive. Paul said, that's what I'm doing with the people in Thessalonica. He said, I'm sharing my life with you that you may survive. Paul was willing to give up breathing so that the church in Thessalonica could survive and grow in their walk with God. And back in verses 1 and 2, he said, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you previously was not without result. He said, on the contrary, after we had previously suffered and we were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. Paul said, I am willing to go through prison, beatings, all those things that I might share my life with you so that you know Jesus. That's impressive. Uh, on the History Channel, a while ago, there was a show on there called The Man Who Predicted 9-11. Uh, it was an interesting show. I'd never heard the story before. And so whenever I, I saw this story, I was like, man, this is unreal. There's, there's a guy named Rick Rescorla, 62 years old, and he was the uh, chief security uh, guy or officer for Morgan Stanley, the World Trade Center. Before 9-11 before ever happened, he made it, he really believed this. He believed that terrorists one day were going to try to take down World Trade Centers with planes. And so he came up with an evacuation plan before 9-11 ever happened. And so there's 
3,800 employees in the World Trade Center for Morgan Stanley. So he came up with this evacuation plan. He was very strict about it. Once a quarter, once every three months, he had all the Morgan Stanley employees go through the evacuation plan, and they hated it. I was just such a pain. They had to get up and walk out, and they're, they're like, this is, this is mindless. When, why in the world are we doing something like this? And so they would get frustrated over score love. That is until 9-11 happened. When 9-11 happened, the people in the buildings were told to stay where they were. Rick Restorla said, no, we've got an evacuation plan. He stood up, and people were scared to death, as you can imagine. And so he tried to lighten the mood, and he said, we're going to walk down the stairs together. He began to lead them out. They said that as he was walking them out, he was smiling. He was singing, God bless America. He got everybody to sing, God bless America. So they're walking out the World Trade Center. Now, here's what's interesting. 3,800 employees. That day, every one of them got out, but six. Four of those six were Ripper Scorla and three, uh, three, three people on his security team. The reason why they died is because as the buildings were going down, they went back in to rescue more people. Now, I thought about that. I thought, what do you think those people who worked for Morgan Stanley thought about Ripper Scorla after 9 before they thought, this guy's driving us crazy. That this guy is making us go through things that, that are just a waste of time. Now, I haven't talked to any of those people, but I bet you those people today would say, that man cared about us. That man, he had a desire for us to survive and thrive. He wasn't trying to be a pain. He was trying to prepare us. Let me tell you something. If you want to make a difference in somebody's life, and others, if you're going to make a difference in the life of your children, it's real simple. You will share with them. You will share your life with them. Jesus said this. Jesus said in John 15, 13, no one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Paul's willing to share his life. He's willing to share his faith. Paul said he was pleased to share the good news, to share the gospel with these people. Now, that, that word gospel, of course, it means good news. Yeah, we are, we are living in a world that needs good news. But the good news of the gospel is different than any other kind of good news. Because the good news of Jesus, when it's received and accepted, it has the power to make us right with God, to reconcile us to God. Paul said, I want to share that news with you so that you, your relationship with God can be mended. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21 says everything's from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us, and we plead on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul said, I want to share that message with you because it will change your life forever. That's love. That's what love does. So what's an indicator of love? Well, it's gentleness and sharing. Here's a final indicator of love that will surprise you. It's sacrifice. And you, you, you will know the love of the mother when you see sacrifice. In, in verse number 9, Paul wrote, for you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. Paul said he did not want to be burdened.
church of Thessalonica. That word burden, it means to weigh down, to not be able to carry the weight. I thought of that, I thought it'd be like me going to the Y and stacking 600 pounds on the bench press and getting underneath it and having a spot to lift it up. And when he lets go, what do you think's going to I'm going to do 10 reps. No, what's going to happen? Is this going to decapitate? You know, it's like, it's a burden that I cannot carry. Now, that's what Paul was saying. Paul said, I do not want to be a burden like that for the church of Thessalonica. Now, he said this because they, they were new Christians. That they become followers of God, but what happened because of that is they were blackballed in that community. And so for many of them, it caused them to take a financial hit. And so Paul said, if I come there to minister to the people, I can't expect those people to take care of me because they don't have anything. He said, I don't want to be a burden to them. So Paul got another job. He got a side job. And, and he did that because he was so committed to teaching these people more and more about Jesus that he was willing to sacrifice. Love. That's the way mothers love their children. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, mothers and fathers, our purpose for working hard isn't so we get more stuff. Our purpose for working hard isn't so that we can gather more accolades. Our purpose for working hard, part of that purpose, it is for our families. And as our children see the sacrifice that you make, they will see that you take your faith seriously. And the hope for doing all of those things is that we might be able to win the right to share the good news of Jesus with our children so that one day they will take our faith on as their very own. Yet sacrifice is powerful. When people see sacrifice, man, it changes their heart. It changes their lives. Usain Bolt is a Jamaican sprinter, and he was the first man to ever win three hundred meter races, gold, win the gold medal, 300 meter races in the Olympics. Um, every one of those races when he won, he ran the 100 meters in less than 10 seconds. Uh, he was impressive. Gave him the title, fastest man in the world. But what's interesting is that that, that race, I mean, obviously he won it on the day that he ran, but that, that race really, that's not where it was won. That race was won in all the sacrifices that he made started running in the Olympics. You know, there are hours and hours that went into his training and his coaching. There was self-denial that went into how he spent his time and the kind of foods that he ate. It was all of that sacrifice that led him to victory. See, the race was not won in performance. It was won in the preparation. And I say that because mothers, when it, when it comes to your children, the race is not won in the performance. So you want to see them perform well, but the race is won in the preparation. So how do you prepare? You know, if, if for those of you who are, are new parents or maybe have children, it, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. You know, but how in the world are my kids going to perform when they get out on their own? And that can be something to be scary. It's scary to think about, especially at the very beginning. You start looking around, hey, where's the owner's manual for this baby I got? I don't know what to do here. There's not one. Spirit of gentleness, 